We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching Learning Leading K-12, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 236. I am so excited to have Matt Renwick on the podcast. He is an 18-year public educator who began as a 5th and 6th grade teacher in Rudolph, Wisconsin, and now serves as an elementary principal for the Mineral Point Unified School District. Matt also teaches online graduate courses in curriculum design and instructional leadership for the University of Wisconsin-Superior. He tweets at Read by Example and writes for ASED and Lead Literacy. Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jethro. I'm uh, happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because there is a lot that we can talk about. You obviously have a vast amount of experience and you do a lot of writing, so there's a lot there. But today, I really wanted to focus on digital portfolios and talk about that. And you've written ebooks about that. And can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that and why you think that's so important? Sure. I have, I guess, studied them, explored them. I, I would say around 2012 is when I first started. Uh, I got my first iPad. Um, couldn't wait. Used a credit card, purchased one, the first one, and um, 
I did mostly uh, three things on it. Uh, I played Tiger Woods Golf. I checked email. Naturally. It was my first app, of course. Checked email and then like watched you know videos and stuff online and um i didn't really change much with my practices with with this mobile technology you know it's supposed to be transformational and and it really did not do that for me and so that got me thinking you know this stuff is going to be coming you know in schools it's, it's already here in some schools what how can we focus on maybe one thing with this technology that would make an impact so uh, I, I wrote a lot of grants um I ended up with mild carpal tunnel syndrome, believe it or not. Uh, we got quite a bit of grants, probably over $100,000 in different funding sources. And we just started bringing in uh, technologies. So we had, uh, and th- this is in an elementary school. Um, so we, we purchased iPads, started looking at um, different laptops, you know, mobile devices, iPods, with the kind of the purpose of capturing and sharing student work. And we, we, Call them digital portfolios, and, and that's really what it is in a nutshell: is just audio, video, images, text that highlight and describe learning beyond a score, beyond a level, beyond a, a grade. I guess just to kind of look at the whole picture, the whole child. So that's how I got started on it: just knowing it's coming and trying to get ahead of it, and somehow, and, and really trying to use this technology with intention. Versus just plopping them in a classroom and, and, and seeing what happens. I'm not against uh, trying things out and having fun with it. I think that's a great way to learn. But at some point, we got to be strategic about this because it's a lot of money and uh, it could be spent on staffing, which we know is always uh, going to be effective. So, so if we're going to invest in these things, we need to have some kind of a plan and and uh, do it with intent. Yeah, and some way to show, like you said, more than just uh, test grades or whatever, but actually how do we show what the kid is learning more than just summarizing that into a letter grade? You recently wrote an ebook for uh, fresh grade and you have the book published by ASCD um, about digital portfolios in the classroom. And so there are obviously different ways to collect things into a digital portfolio. What are the key components that we need to have when we're evaluating what digital portfolio platform we would use? I think you have to look at, and that's a good question. You know, I, I often will hear, well, what's your favorite tool? And what my favorite tool might be can be different than yours because, as you kind of alluded to, Jethro, is that different schools have different needs. So, my prior school, it was a high needs, um, a large uh, contingency of poverty. And we really just wanted to reach out to parents and just connect with them on a different level. And so we ended up using FreshGrade as a way to do that, capture writing, capture celebrations in the classroom. And we saw some, some good results there. In my current school, parents are actually are, are a little more involved. And what I've noticed is maybe a bit of hubris where we're doing pretty well, but the kids are coming a little more prepared. And so it's, it's more of raising those expectations, especially on literacy. So I've invested in, we've invested in uh, KidBlog as one tool for posting like book reviews, um, reflection. And then, and so we've started there. We've also looked at Google sites as a way to, to get students to start thinking about what they want to share and why the components of it I've seen, and it's a constant change. It's an iteration, but I've seen three specific steps for, for whatever tool you use. 
These are the steps that generally work. The first one is to collect and to curate. So you're, you're kind of like a, a fisherman on the sea. You're throwing out a wide net. You're casting out a wide net. <laughs> and you're just trying to collect information. So that can be the kid doing a daily reflection on kid blog, for example. That can be the teacher and the kid uh, student uh, using FreshGrade, for example, to, to capture images, video, uh, text. The teacher then using like FreshGrade, the report card side, the the very flexible tool, so you can put in custom assessments, things like that, to drive daily instruction. So, so you're just collecting and, and curating at that point. The next step, step two, is to then, at some point, to create and collaborate. So you're taking these images, reflections, and and video, and and you start thinking about what is something I can create, uh, maybe at the end of a unit, such as a performance task. Uh, now that I have these skills and even some of this content to, to create something that puts a new idea out there. So that's when you can get a lot of the tools that we like to see um, in classrooms, such as iMovie, uh, GarageBand, if you want to create a podcast, iMovie for maybe a wordless video. And so then you're bringing in music and images and, and text and, and all of those things to create something and to do it together. Uh, we are not a one-to-one school. And I don't think we will get there. I think there's some advantages when having limits on some technology um, mm-hmm. where it forces kids to work together on a project. Um, and that final step then is to uh, communicate and celebrate. So at some point uh, with a portfolio, you've got to put something out there that's yours. And, and that's the point where I think the kid's got to be in charge. So maybe he or she um, is taking that piece that they created. Maybe it's just a picture of writing with a reflection. It doesn't have to be a big performance task, but at certain intervals during the school year, maybe six times a year, posting that work, adding a reflection, and then that portfolio stays with them over time. So that's when I see tools such as Weebly, Google Sites, EduBlogs, or WordPress. Those, those are some pretty nice tools for more of a permanent portfolio of their work. It's very similar to how an artist might uh, have a portfolio of their work. Um, at some point, they've got to produce something, right? And so I think that's that we can follow that same process. So collect and curate, create and collaborate, and communicate and celebrate. And if we can kind of create a classroom where we're celebrating this work on a regular basis, that also has advantages beyond just the academics, but also creating community where we're not competing against one another, which scores and levels can sometimes create. We're actually wanting to see everyone be successful against a pretty clear set of criteria of of what types of things we're producing. So that's the six C's if you want to package it into something (laughs) memorable. But that's not in the book. And that's the thing about publishing is you publish it and you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have put that in there. So I'm constantly trying to revisit this and make it better. Well, good. You've got an exclusive here on Transformative Principle. This is where you come to get the afterthought from a book. That's great. So I like that approach and I like the idea of using different tools throughout that process. And when you get to communicate and celebrate, that's where some of my frustrations have been with digital portfolios is that if we're making a portfolio for a student, I really want that student to be able to take that with them. And, you know, if you're using, if you've got a Google apps account for your school, and you're using uh, Google Sites, then when the student leaves your school, then that site doesn't go with them. And unless they share ownership with with their own personal account. So how do you determine what things 
do go with the student and what things stay with you and how much teaching do you do on that? Yeah. That idea of them creating their own thing. I think it matters in the age of the kid and then what the teacher's comfortable with. I think, at, you know, kindergarten, first, second, just making it very easy for the kids to be successful. There are advantages to paying for applications like first grade uh, because it keeps that information, you know, that data, pictures, videos, and whatnot, audio, um, from year to year to year. Uh, so they can see kind of a progression over time, you know, from when they were in kindergarten to even eighth grade or a senior. So that can be a challenge, though, in bigger districts. That's something I don't have a good answer to. And I would just say you have to wrestle with that and, and, and maybe get together as a leadership team and say, what, you know, what do you want to do? This tool works, but this tool works too. And maybe you have a couple platforms. So, you know, we have KidBlog, but KidBlog's not our only tool. So um, as the kids get older, it's, it's almost kind of like we're, we're releasing some of the scaffolding scaffolds for the kids um, where they become more and more independent. So let's say in primary level, they're doing, you know, fresh grade, for example. And I think fresh grade can stay throughout. That's a nice communication tool. So that can be a K-12 kind of a solution. Eventually, though, maybe like in middle school, intermediate, you can start teaching the kids how to do a Google site. Um, that could be maintaining a classroom website where um, this is how we use a Google site. We can pull in stuff from Drive, and we're just celebrating our work in one space. Eventually, with the idea of gradually releasing that responsibility to the kid, so maybe they're in middle school and they're keeping their own Google site, let's say around the Common Core English Language Arts Standards, you know, writing, for example. You could have a, an opinion page. You can have an informative page and a narrative page and a speaking and listening page, a digital literacy page. Um, you can look at those anchor standards to kind of drive, you know, what that site might look at middle school. And then at high school, you know, I'm sure you, and I know you following you on Twitter, the engagement goes down as kids stay longer and longer in school. And I think part of that is the kids just don't, aren't given the responsibility in the space to start asking their own questions and follow their own passions. So what if you gave kids options at high school, for example, to say you can choose Edublog or Weebly. That's two options, for example, to to create kind of your capstone project where you're following a passion, whether that's, you know, I want to be a cook, I want to be a chef someday. So I'm going to curate a list of recipes and different videos um, that I've created myself on my skills. Or I want to have an, like an IT, uh, a tech blog where I'm giving people information, you know. So I, I guess to kind of sum up this is the closer the kids get, I think, to graduation, the more closely the portfolio needs to start resembling uh, actual products and processes that um, they would use in the real world. So right now I have a blog, which is WordPress, and I have a website, which is also WordPress. And those are things that I use that, you know, high school could also be doing. This could serve even in the near future of, you know, as a college portfolio that they can share um, with admissions. I have a friend who's an author, and she has a Weebly site, you know, and that's something she maintains. So these are things that people actually use in the real world. Um, but it's got to start somewhere, and I think if we can uh, gradually release that in their K-12 experience, I think that's a, that's a great solution. Yeah, I, I really like that, that approach. And one thing that I'm thinking with that, Matt, is that as you, as you go through that, fresh grade and Google Sites can still be there through that whole K-12 experience just to you know, 
choose two particular products and yep. they can be there for that whole experience. But then as they get into high school or whenever they're ready, because some kids will be ready earlier, you just have them start moving those things to a more, I don't want to say professional, but more real world place that they maintain that they have access to, they have control over. Yeah. And, and we're not micromanaging that or, or something like that. I've, I feel like that would be a really good way to make it work effectively. Yeah, because to try to get everyone on the same tool, everyone using it the same, that's it's an impossible task, especially if you have a bigger district. And as well, you're not exposing the kids to different tools too. You know, you want them to kind of have some some digital literacy skills built here, and and how a blog is different than maybe a website. But I think those are important skills to have. Yeah, and, and yeah, those that fresh grade account, that Google Site account can continue to be used k-12 but like you said it's just uh, layering in more independence i think of one example from the book uh, lisa snyder she's a high school teacher in oklahoma and i did a lot of interviews for the for the ascd book on portfolio assessment i just hadn't been in the classroom for a decade you know and i just i needed more information and she she teaches english and journalism and she will have the kids each create their own wordpress site and it's a blog and when they're ready to publish an article they have to post it there they also have a classroom wordpress site where um, they sell advertising on it with local businesses and that money they make from their wordpress kind of a digital magazine uh, goes to pay for their ink and their computers and printers so there's a real purpose to what they're doing i mean for their course to run because they don't have much of a budget um, they've got to produce great content so it's it can't doesn't get more real than that but how you do it in your school is um, that's where the teacher comes in and allowed to be creative. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And I think that that is so powerful of giving kids real opportunities to do things that that have a real life result. So we have this thing up here in Alaska that's called a Project Citizen. And it may be other places. I'd never heard of it until I came to the district I'm in now. And what it is, is it's basically a way to get students to be able to make changes by going through a policy approach to to making that change. And so that's the, the big idea. And it's a cool idea and it's a cool project, but there's something lacking to it that getting things to change is not only done through policy. And there are so many other ways to make things happen. And these kids come in and they've got these wonderful ideas, but some of the ideas, like, you know, one of them that it seems like kids do every single year is, is trying to figure out how to ban plastic bags. Okay. <laughs> and the reality is, is if you could, if you could find a way to produce a bag that was more convenient or, and or cheaper than a plastic bag, then it would be a non-starter to ban plastic bags because people would naturally choose the better option. But that's not what that the purpose of that is. And so on the one hand, like they can petition the borough or the city to say, we're not going to use plastic bags. But then it's like, well, actually, everybody likes plastic bags. And sorry that you that they're bad for the environment, but they're convenient, they're cheap. And, you know, that's what we're going to continue using. But if we had like a different way, like that class in Oklahoma to to make a website raise funds to buy supplies for our classroom. I mean, that that's a great way to deal with the 
budget issues in Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and you can take like the idea you mentioned with the plastic bags and it can be, you know, it can be reduced down to something. How can you affect change locally? And maybe, maybe that the goal isn't to ban plastic bags, but could you somehow, you know, create some public service announcements using iMovie and podcasts to reduce the amount of bags, you know, and, and then you can do a survey, you know, before and after. And, you know, that's an impact that's, you know, maybe more doable. So maybe like you said, kids have great ideas. How can we nurture that and, and help kind of guide them to create something that's tangible and, and doable? And I, in the uh, fresh grade book, Assessing Innovation, there was a cool story we did in there about we used fresh grade and another tool, but these fourth graders wanted to make these dog toys out of T-shirts and give it to uh-huh. to the Humane Society. I said, oh, great. And then at the same time, I was trying to create some kind of a makerspace. And I said, you know, kids, I just don't know you know, what we need. I'm thinking like technology. They need laptops and all this stuff. So they come in. This is open classroom. We had declining enrollment. And um, they're like, no, we need furniture. And we need, we need uh, inclinable tables and we need... Uh, desks and chairs that or tables and chairs that can move in and out and and collaborate but also work independently and so we brought this consultant in uh, furniture guy and he worked with them and they created this awesome uh, co-created this awesome makerspace and then we did like a public service announcement with a green screen and we had picked that picture of a dog and and they had it but there was a lot of reading and writing involved in it they were they had to write a script and they had to tape it and, and and publish it and or, you know, online, and um, they had to call the Humane Society. I'm like, what if they don't want these toys, you know? So that was just something tangible that they, you know, and then they had to get, they made these out of T-shirts, these toys. So they had a, that's part of the PSA is give us T-shirts. And then we're like, well, you don't want any T-shirt, right? You mean, you don't want the this, the dingy three-year-old holy T-shirts that maybe I've got in my dress or you want to gently use. And so I just create a lot of conversations on a lot of thinking um, and then the reading and the writing and even the technology was all embedded. It wasn't we were doing digital portfolios to do digital portfolios. We needed a access to an audience and the digital tools uh, helped facilitate that. And so when I hear about Project Citizen, I think those things, I think that could be a good thing. It's just uh, how, do you, how do you guide the kids to come up with something that, that can make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. And and we need our kids to be able to do that because if they can figure out how to solve other people's problems, they'll be so much more successful in life, no matter what industry they decide to go into. And that's that's a real skill that they need. Now, one of the concerns, if you will, about digital portfolios is the idea that it's digital and not like, you know, the artwork that you carry home and show mom and dad at the end of the year when the kids come home with that huge bag of full of stuff. How do you deal with analog or non-digital creations in the classroom making it into the digital portfolio, or do they? Yeah, I've come around on this. I used to think we just need to go completely digital. Everything can be digitized, and we we don't need paper anymore. And that I found that not to be true. In fact, if if someone's looking to get started in, in this, investigate just portfolio assessment. And, and understand the concept first. That's what I had to do anyway. And I come to realize that the, the paper is just as important as the digital. Sometimes I, I want to close my laptop and I want to have a notebook and I want to journal there. And also having options for kids I think is great. Um, and like you said, I mean, there's nothing like holding something and you can take it home and see it. 
I think digital can help facilitate that even better, though, because you have these great pieces and you don't want them going home because you want to, you know, put them somewhere. And so what if you have a digital version of that on their online portfolio and now the kid can take that work home and, and put it on the fridge? So now you have it kind of two places in once. Each serves its purpose. And and sometimes the digital's not needed, sometimes it is. And so I think if we think if we plan instruction and assessment with the kid in mind and the content, you know, analog can sometimes be more effective than digital and sometimes the opposite. So yeah, that's definitely um, how my thinking has changed anyway on it. Yeah, I love that last thing you said, plan instruction and assessment with the student in mind. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> That shouldn't be a uh, a new thing, but that should be the focus from the beginning. And yet we often forget about that as we're going through this. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Matt, I'm sure there's a lot more questions I could ask you, but thank you so much for your time. The last question that I do want to ask is, what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? I would say now is a great time to start trying out a tool one tool um, that can give kids access to an authentic audience. And I'll say that again, try out a tool and you can get it for you know free or cheap um, that gives kids access to an authentic audience. So that might be one tool that's very reasonable that can replace some of the reading quizzes that are maybe a little less authentic is Bibliognasium. And it connects right with your, like your Follett library through your librarian and that kids can post book reviews on there. They can rate books. They can recommend books to their friends. And just buy it uh, for your whole building and just tell the kids about it. Model it for the teachers at a staff meeting. No pressure. Just, hey, this is available. It's, it's, it, these tech providers will often give you a deal at this time at the end of the year. Or they'll give you like a 15-month deal. We've had that where we've, we've bought um, licenses to to like math apps and stuff and they'll they'll stretch it out a kid blog is another one i really like that's it's very reasonable and again gives kids an audience so you can connect your kid blog classroom account to another kid blog classroom account um, in another part of the world um, we actually have a kid going from uh, here to peru he's visiting family that's where he's from so he's going to be gone for a month and so we are setting him up with his kid blog account and he's going to write about Peru and post pictures and uh, do all kinds of things. And, and then the other kids can comment on there. And that's what I see is missing in a lot of schools that technology can afford is to give kids an audience beyond their teacher and even beyond their parents to really be authentic in that. And, and uh, kids' motivation and engagement goes through the roof when they know someone else is going to be reading and watching what they're doing a fresh grade is free you can start that tomorrow you can just as a principal again staff meeting hey check out this tool that's how we got started in my last school uh, as i had heard about fresh grade and i asked my first grade teacher my speech and language teacher hey just you know you want to give this just a shot it's the middle of the year i'll see what you think and and they loved it and they came back and they were the ones the following year when we went school wide leading some of the PD sessions. And, and as a principal, I can't sell it nearly as well as a teacher who's been there and done it with kids. Yeah. You know, they can field all those kind of questions where I come in and it's it can be seen more as a directive or a mandate. So I'm sure you can relate to that. So yeah, this absolutely. is an opportunity to get some teachers to try it and pilot it and just you know, see what happens. And it might not work, but, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt the kids. So the access for kids, for an authentic audience uh, with, with a few tools is is very doable yeah 
Well, that's great. Matt, thank you so much. It's been an honor talking with you. And yeah. thanks for sharing all your wisdom with uh, the audience of Transformative Principle. Well, I appreciate the uh, chat and allowing me to share from the wisdom comes from a lot of the mistakes I've made. So uh, <laughs> go forth and make, make errors. That's right. I get you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.